Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Jesus was handed over to die for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. An invitation to believe this promise of God is the central theme of Romans 4. Let us read through the chapter as Pastor Priji helps explain the gospel according to Apostle Paul. Are you ready to go into the word? The book of Romans we have been studying gospel according to apostle Paul and Paul is like an expert artist and he is painting a picture of God's um, good news the gospel of Jesus Christ he's trying to paint a picture for us and he began by stating how the gospel is all about Jesus in chapter 1 and he says Here I am I am Paul and I'm set apart to preach this gospel to talk about this uh, good news to the ends of the earth and then he goes on to say how everybody even if they are non-Jews even if they are people that don't have a revelation of who God is they still have an understanding of who God is through the nature when we look into the world around us you know in fact we would see that the prophets in the old testament the the teachers in the in the new testament and even jesus himself when he would teach people he would always use examples that are available in the nature like jesus would talk about agriculture like farming sowing he would talk about uh, birds of the air and the uh, the beasts of the field look at them and learn from them and 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 we would see how in the old testament isaiah would write about this story of how the the eagle it has a period of waiting and that in that period of waiting its strength gets renewed all its feathers or the its wings it, it, it gets defeathered and in that period of waiting a new feathers come and then it gets renewed its strength gets renewed and then Isaiah compares it with a child of God who waits on God and says this is how a child of God that waits on the Lord. So Paul is saying, hey, if you look into the nature around us, there is plenty of revelations of who our God is and how he works and what he does to speak to his children. And then he goes on to talking about believers in chapter 2. He says but you believers you who have the law you who have the word you who have a revelation you guys are no less just like these guys who don't have a revelation of god are living in sin even the guys that have a revelation of god are also living in sin then he goes on to explain to us in chapter 3 how god he is just he is not somebody that is going to be uh uh you know moved by external hypocrisy he is just and he will judge everybody according to what has been given to them and then you you also finish with that point where the bible says he is not just the just judge he is also the justifying judge he is the just and the justifier amen so today we go into chapter 4 and we'll begin with verse 1 The Bible says Abraham was humanly speaking the founder of our Jewish nation but what did he discover about being made right with God see the previous chapter finishes at this point saying we are made right with God because of what Jesus did 
now he is pointing us to Abraham. He's giving us an example. He's trying to explain this in more detail. And he says, hey, you know about Abraham? You know who is the founder of our Jewish nation? Who is the father of Jews? Who was the first person that God gave a promise about Israel and the inheritance through Israel? It was to Abraham. So let's study the life of Abraham. How did Abraham, the founder of our Jewish nation, what did he discover about justification? What did he understand about having a relationship with God? What did he learn in his walk with God? Let's study that. Verse 2 says, If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, then he would have something to boast about. But that was not God's way. So what, what Paul is saying is, if it is because of Abraham being good, it's because of Abraham being righteous, it's because Abraham was keeping God's law and his commandments, that it is because of those things that God chose him and, and set him apart and blessed him and, and elevated him, then he would definitely have something to boast about. But Paul says, no, but that was not God's way. God didn't wait for Abraham to become righteous so he can choose him. God chose him even when he was unrighteous, even when he was still an idol worshipping guy, even when he was somebody that didn't love God, that didn't know God, that didn't have a relationship with God. The voice of God located Abraham in his father's house. You should understand this, church. We always look at how how we can become good enough for God to use us how we can become um, you know clean enough or great enough or perfect enough or uh, you know if we can become knowledgeable enough if we can become prayerful enough so that God can prove his love for us but here is Paul turning the narrative around saying that's not how it works look at Abraham let's learn from Abraham Abraham was If it was because of how good he was that God chose him, then he would have had something to boast about. Now, one of the the most irritating things that you can do as a child of God is boast about how good you are. Not irritating to us, but irritating to heaven. You know, the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. So when you and I look at, you know, or boast about our righteousness, it creates stench to God. And that's why he says, hey, if it was because of his righteousness that God chose him, then he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. It was not because of his righteousness. It was not because of his good deeds. So the next time that you are tempted to talk about how good you are, how how amazing you are, you know, could you just turn it around to talking about how good God is? Because Paul says it like there is there's just one thing that I can boast about. It's about the Lord. I may I never boast about anything of myself. If there is one thing that I will boast about, it is the fact that I've been crucified with Christ Jesus and He is the one who is alive in me. I am no longer alive. It's not me who is who is functioning, that it is Christ who is living in me. May I never boast about anybody or anything else. Jeremiah said this too. Anybody that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Not in himself, 
not in his abilities not in his wisdom not in his own strength but in the lord verse 3 for the scriptures tell us abraham believed god and god counted him as righteous why because of his faith not because he was good enough not because he was perfect enough but because of his faith god counted him as righteous what did abraham have to do abraham had to believe god abraham had to trust god you know the one thing that the enemy is going to constantly try to you know cause you to get or lose your focus off of is the voice of god because he knows the moment you forget what god has spoken to you now see i i i know what you're thinking see abraham didn't have jesus so what did he believe in abraham did not have the bible so what did he believe in abraham did not have any pastors to encourage him He didn't have any prophets telling him thus says the Lord. So what did he believe in? The voice of God. And the voice of God sounded very ridiculous to him. It it was not reasonable because the voice of God said you're going to have a child when he was really really old. That wasn't practical. That wasn't reasonable. That wasn't logical. That wasn't something that he could even believe. See, the fact that Abraham chose to believe god in spite of that not making sense to him in spite of none of the solutions or answers being in front of him see anybody can believe god like thomas said right if i put my hands my finger into your hands and and feel your you speak to me you send a prophet let him call out my name and let let him tell me every detail of my life then i will believe anybody can believe like that jesus said hey anybody will believe like that but Abraham believed God when things were still not feasible things were still impossible things that God spoke to him didn't make sense that is when Abraham believed God and that belief in God's voice made him righteous Amen. what did what made Adam and Eve unrighteous their disbelief in the voice of God it was not the fact that they ate the apple or fruit or whatever you know you would like to picture eyes that as it was not the fact that they disobeyed god it was the fact that they disbelieved god and here is a man that believed in god in spite of everything working against him he chose to believe he chose to trust what god said he chose to just say okay this doesn't make sense I don't know how I don't know when I don't know where but I will just believe and that belief is what made him righteous He check, check this out he didn't have enough to believe you and I today we have a physical evidence of the cross of Jesus He didn't have anything to believe that this God that he is being called to follow is a good God that this god that is called to follow is a loving god is a he is he's a god that never fails his promises he he didn't have any history with god to lean upon and still he chose to believe still he chose to trust and when god called him to leave his father's house and get out and you know 
go to the land that God is going to show him. He just obeyed. And the Bible says that obedience made him righteous. That act of faith, the fact that he believed what God said. When people, verse 4, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned. So Paul is explaining to us how, see, if you have to work for God to approve of you, then what you're getting is not a gift. So in other words, what, what, what Paul is saying is this righteousness that God is giving you, that is supposed to come to you as a gift. That is supposed to come to you free of cost. That's supposed to come to you as a favor from God, as a uh, you know, blessing from God. But if you have had to work for it, if you've had to like struggle hard to do it, then that's not a gift, that's, that's your reward. And here is Paul saying, hey, you don't need to struggle. You don't need to, you know, I'll tell you where we struggle. Our struggle is primarily and sometimes, most times, is also in being able to like uh, trust God in what He has spoken to us. In just believing God and in putting our faith in God. Now, see, when we read scripture, we will understand that also in detail. That even, that even the faith that we need to put our trust in God comes from God. Even that is not of your own doing. Even the, even your desire, even your ability to trust in God also comes from God. It doesn't come from your own self because the more you struggle with yourself to believe and to trust what God has spoken over your life, you will keep contradicting yourself. You will keep contradicting your circumstances. But, but when you trust in the ability that God gives you, because Paul says, if you are constantly trying to work to get God's approval, God's favor, God's blessing over your life, then that is not a gift. That is something that you have earned. Verse 5, but people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in a God who forgives sinners. We serve a God who forgives sinners. We serve a God who loves sinners. We serve a God who gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for sinners. We serve a God who will go to any extent, who would leave the 99 and go after the one because he loves the sinners. And the Bible says that when we believe in a God like this that forgives sinners, that is when we are counted as righteous. That is what makes us righteous too. So it's not your good works, it's not your right works, it's not your righteousness, it's not the fact that you're perfect enough, it's not the fact that you're uh, clean enough, you're pure enough, you're holy enough, it is the fact that you're able, you're willing to believe what the Bible says about this Jesus, that this Jesus, he loves sinners, where Now we are talking about David's prophecy about this. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. He goes on to say, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. So what, what Paul is doing is he's recounting a sum. That says, hey, 
blessed is the man whose iniquities the Lord has forgiven. You know, the NLT Bible uses the word, oh, what, a, what, a, what joy or happy is the man. But the root word is blessed. The root word is that it's a blessing. This is the greatest kind of blessing to, to experience forgiveness from God, to experience uh, a, a, a life transforming experience with God without having to do anything for it, without having to earn that, without having to work for it. And that is what is a blessing. It is not a blessing if you're, you're saying, oh, I, I fasted and prayed for so many days and then God forgave me. That's not the blessing. That's something that you've earned. But Paul is saying real forgiveness, the kind that God gives, it is not something that you can earn. It comes by you believing in him. So the enemy will constantly try to tell you, hey, God has not forgiven that sin. That God has not let gone of your past. That, you know, you, you, you are such a bad person. You have done this to hurt this person. You have done that to do this. The enemy will constantly try to make you disbelieve what God has already done. And that is where your faith will be tested. See, like I told you last week, our salvation happens in three phases, yeah? There is a penalty of sin that is our, our past being wiped out then the power of sin and then the presence of sin just like you got into this relationship with God by faith now you sustain this relationship with God also by faith you don't get in by faith and then you say okay wait now you know now that I'm here I have to somehow try and please God so that God doesn't become angry at me it's the other way it's the fact that because God loves me, because I have been freely forgiven, because I am blessed, because I am favored, because I know that when I believe what God has said about himself in his word, what his people have written about him in the word, what has been revealed to me through the word and through my life around me, when I believe that, that is when I am counted as righteous. That is when I am transformed. That is when my salvation is taking effect. Verse 9. Now, is this blessing only for Jews? Now, Paul is trying to reason with us, saying, Now, is this blessing? What was the blessing we spoke about? The fact that your disobedience is forgiven, the fact that your sins are put out of sight, the fact that your record, you know, how many of us have a bad record? We've had a bad record. The Bible says, the, Whose record has been cleared of sin has been cleared, has been wiped off of sin. Your life, you know, can you imagine God, you know, in technical terms, just hitting permanent delete onto all those things. This is not in God's hard disk anymore. They've been put out of sight. They've been cleared of sin. Now this blessing, Paul says, is this blessing only for the Jews? Because of, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, they came through Abraham or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles. Now he's he's saying that there are two categories of people here. One category that have you know been trying so hard to keep the law. The law is what was handed down through Moses to the nation of Jew, Israel, to the Jews, saying you need to do these, these, these things. And one of the primary things, the first thing that God told them as part of this law is that you need to be circumcised. That every male in your family line has to be circumcised. So now Paul is making an argument. Is 
this only for the Jews who are circumcised or also available for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying, he says now, well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. So his question is, when did that happen? Read verse 10. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. So what Paul is trying to establish is the fact that Abraham's selection, Abraham's, the favor on Abraham's life, the fact that Abraham got, you know, God counted him as a righteous man, didn't happen after he obeyed God. The obedience came. See, the obedience has to follow as a natural result of our faith. Because faith without works is dead. If you believe something, you will actually act upon it, right? Now, if you, you let, let's say that, you know, I, I give you a, a, a bottle and, you know, and it's on the bottle, it is, uh, you have, there is a label that's men, mentioned that this is, this is poison. But I tell you, no, it is not poison. I have filled it with water. You can drink it. But you tell me, Pastor, I believe you, but you don't drink it. What does that show? That you actually don't believe me. You know, that's just lip service because you don't want to offend me. You don't want to look bad, you know, that, that I'm telling you this is, this, is, this is not poison. This is just water. Drink it. You don't want to, you know, be found in the bad books of the pastor. So you will just drink. No, you will just say that it is. You will just say that it. I, yeah, yeah, pastor, I believe you. But if you drink is when I will know that you truly believe me. Right? So if faith, if you truly have faith, it will automatically be followed by obedience. And, but what Paul is trying to say is, obedience was not what made Abraham righteous. Because sometimes what happens is, we confuse the both of it. We, we confuse that, wait, I did this and then God did this. Which means it is because I did this that God did this. That it, because I did this that God showed favor, God showed mercy, God, you know, gave me this blessing, God allowed this to happen. But truth be told, that's not how God works. The Bible says He makes His favor, His grace fall down on the wicked and the righteous alike. He makes the sun shine down on the, on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Yes, there is a time, there is a day, like we learned earlier, when God is going to make a clear distinction and He is going to judge but what we experience here on the earth, that's not judgment. That is God trying to show off how, how good He is, how great He is, how kind He is, how loving He is. The Bible says in verse 11, circumcision, the, the fact that they were circumcised, the fact that they had to obey God, it was a sign that Abraham had already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So, so Paul is saying, hey, your obedience to God, that is a proof of your faith. Come on, read it once again. Circumcision was a sign. It was a proof. It was an external symbol. The fact that you were willing to drink that bottle 
was a proof that you actually believe what I said. You understand what I'm saying? So we are in no way saying you should live disobedient lives. We are in no way saying that you should go against God's word, against God's law, against what God is saying. All that I'm saying is that your salvation did not happen because you obeyed. Your salvation happened because you chose to believe. It happened because you chose to trust in Him. Because you chose to rely on Him. And every time we fail to believe, every time we fail to just trust God, we are walking one step away from Him. But every time we choose to trust in Him, rely on Him, to believe Him, we are being counted righteous. We are being renewed. We are being made righteous. We are counted among the ones that are, you know, the, in Abraham's family. So he goes on to explain this. He says, so Abraham is the spiritual father to those who have faith. But even those that have not been circumcised, they are counted as righteous because of their faith. So Paul is saying, he began by talking about the father of the Jewish nation. You remember this? The founder, the father of the Jewish nation. Now, to the Jewish nation, Abraham was a father in the flesh. But now he says, but wait a minute. Abraham is not just a father to the Jews, but he's a spiritual father to everybody that has faith, that has followed God by faith, not by works, not because they are circumcised, not because they have church attendance, not because they are baptized and they are, you know, doing their diligent duties. But Abraham is a spiritual father to everybody that has faith in Jesus, that have put their trust in God, that have put their, you know, wholehearted reliance on God's word, on what God has revealed let me read that again. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous just because of their faith. Now go to verse 12. But Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, like the Jews, he's also the spiritual father to those guys, not just the physical father, but also a spiritual father to those who have been circumcised, provided they have the same kind of faith that Abraham had before he was circumcised. So what Paul is saying is, what qualifies Israelites to be spiritual sons and daughters of Abraham is if they will imitate the life and the faith of Abraham. Not the fact that they, they attend the same church. Not the fact that they are in the same community. Not the fact that legally, you know, they are, you know, inheriting whatever Abraham achieved with his life. It's the fact that they have the same kind of faith. And there are others that physically are far away. And still they have the same kind of faith like Abraham has. And Paul says, even they have Abraham as their spiritual father. I hope you understand the concept of spiritual father. Spiritual father doesn't mean anybody that comes to a church. You know, they have the 
they become the spiritual father. Spiritual father is about you imitating the faith of a man. You imitating the lifestyle, the pursuit that a man had in his relationship with God. When you imitate that, that is when that person becomes your spiritual father. Not because you are in physical proximity to that person. Not because you are in the same church as that person is. Not because everybody else calls this guy their spiritual father. It automatically becomes yours. No, that's not how it becomes. That person becomes your spiritual father. Paul says, this guy, Abraham, he is a spiritual father for those who are, who are not circumcised but have the kind of faith that he has to follow God. And he's also the spiritual father to all the ones that are circumcised and also have the faith. To, so the primary criteria is the faith. See, that's why if you go to the book of Hebrews, I think chapter 13, Paul would write to the church and say, obey your leaders and imitate their faith. Imitate their way of life and imitate their faith. 13 verse 7, Hebrews 13 verse 7. Can you read it out? Remember, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. The other translations would say imitate the example of their faith. So this is the, this is the, this is the instruction given to all of us. Hey, your leaders who taught you the word of God, their, their way of life, their lifestyles, their habits, you can consider it. You don't have to imitate that. But their faith... But their pursuit of God, their relationship with God, that is something you have to follow, you have to imitate. That is what qualifies you to become a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter to that person that you are imitating. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, Clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. I want you all to read it with me, okay? One more time. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. The other translation says the fact that Abraham was the heir to everything in the world. Abraham and his descendants, they inherited everything in the world. Everything on the earth. We are not talking about spiritual things now. We are not talking about eternity, salvation, heaven, all of those things. That's, that's also part of the deal. But Bible says that Abraham and his descendants, they, they, the promise from God that they, the whole earth has been given to them. That they, are, that they are the heirs to everything on the earth. It came to them, how? Not by obedience. Come on. I know, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I've been fasting and praying and putting offerings and tithes and hoping that God will give me a financial breakthrough. I mean, you should do it because that's the principle. That's a different thing altogether. But the promise did not come because you gave offering. The promise did not come because you're willing to give to the Lord. The promise did not come because you're willing to obey God. 
The promise came because you have faith in who God is. And everybody that have faith, they can align themselves. It doesn't say only to Abraham. Come on, read it once again. Clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham. Come on, any of you who are Abraham's descendants? Come on, I just proved to you that he is the spiritual father to everybody that has the faith, right? And now, now Paul goes on to say, here is a promise that was given to not just to Abraham, to, but to all his descendants. Not the physical descendants, but to his spiritual descendants. There was a, a promise given that the whole earth belongs to them. So, so today you and I, we are not praying from a perspective that, God, I, I, could you please give this to me? You're saying, God, I know this belongs to me. I know this money belongs to me. I know this job is mine. I know this house is mine. When it is not yours, you have to pray and beg for it. But when it is already yours, you don't have to beg for it. You have to claim it. See, have you ever lost something in the airport and you've had to go and claim it? Like, I remember this time when we were in this long flight and we forgot the... Uh, the iPad and the iPhone, everything in the flight, and then we had a connecting flight, a next flight to catch, and we had to go back. By the time we reached the flight, the, the whole flight's been empty, like they, they took out everything from the flight, and then, you know, it goes to the lost and found department, and it's, it's, a, it's a big headache. But you have to go there, and you have, to, you have to claim it. They will ask you proof that this is actually yours. Like you'll have to put your password or you'll have to give your identity. Prove that this actually belongs to you. Show your boarding pass. Tell me that this is where you were seated. Prove and claim it. I don't have to beg for it. I don't have to, you know, like cry about it. I don't have to go and, you know, oh my God, I, please, sir, could you? I have to go and claim it. The Bible says the whole earth. The whole earth. The whole earth, everything on the earth. Okay. Now there are things in the in the heavenly realm that we will activate, that we will receive by a different principle. We'll go into it later. But the whole earth is given to Abraham and his descendants. How? By faith. To those who will obey as a result of their faith, as a result of their trust in God. See, verse 14, it says, If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is in fact pointless. He's saying, if God has to give it based on how good you are, then God doesn't have to promise it to you, you know? Then it's like, you worked for it and here is your salary. You prayed three hours, here is three hours worth of blessing. You, 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 did, you did so well, uh, so, so here, is the, here is the blessing that, that is, you know, because of the you know, good things that you have done. But that's not, that's not what this is. That's not the blessing this is. It says, if God's promise is only for those that obey the law, then faith is actually not necessary. The promise is also pointless for the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no, no law to break at all. See, when we read all of this, we will think, man, 
apostle paul had a problem with the law that he he didn't want to obey that he didn't want to submit but if you understand the context of who apostle paul is he was the one who was the most faithful obedient guy to the law even after he became a christian he obeyed the law in fact it was timothy timothy was by the way a greek not a jew he made sure timothy because he was in his team he made sure timothy will be circumcised and whenever he would get back to jerusalem he will go to the temple he will keep all the rituals he will do all the religious things that jews are supposed to do so when paul is teaching about all these things he's not saying man i i i find it so hard to obey god so i'm teaching no he's not teaching this because he's lazy he's not teaching righteousness by faith because he wants to actually disobey god he is teaching this so that you and i understand that our acceptance before god the promises that we receive from god is not based on our obedience do we have to obey for sure do we have to live for the lord yes for sure do we have to serve him do we have to live uh, in a way that pleases him and 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 serves him for sure but it is not uh, our blessing our uh, the fact that god's favor is upon our life is not a result of our obedience our obedience is a result of his favor upon our life our obedience is the fruit of the uh, the fact that god has given us a promise verse 16 it says so the promise is received by faith it is given as a a free gift and we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of moses if we have faith like abraham's for abraham is the father of all who believe so the promise we just saw an example of the promise right now there are so many promises in scripture you know see there are things that god gives as rewards like if you do this then i will do this for you that's different the promises are not for those who are obeying god the promises are for those that believe that are willing to trust that are willing to uh, you know put their faith in those promises that god has made over their lives okay it says in verse 17 this is what the scriptures mean when god told him i have made you uh, the father of many nations this happened because abraham believed in the god who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing this is this is god speaking to abraham when he is infertile this is god speaking to abraham when he is not seeing the answers not nor seeing the solutions that god promised him he believed he trusted that god is able to bring the dead back to life where did he do that with isaac when he was willing to put isaac on the altar he was willing to believe that god can bring the dead back to life and when he was it says that he is able to create new things out of nothing and that's like you know practically speaking isaac came out of nothing it came at a time and a season when he it wasn't possible in his physical ability for him to produce a child so abraham believed that this is the kind of god that i serve that he is a god who brings the dead back to life he is the god who creates new things out of nothing verse 18 even when there was no reason for hope abraham kept hoping all of us we are looking for a reason to hope 
we are looking for a, a word or something so we can hope so we can trust in god but bible says abraham he kept on hoping even when there was no reason for hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations for god said to him that's how many descendants you will have so his only reason for hoping was god's voice the day that god's voice is not enough for you you have stepped out of faith the day that you want other evidences other things other than what god has already revealed to you other things than what what god has already spoken to you you and i we don't have faith anymore we think the fact that oh i'm going to church proves that i have faith no that doesn't prove that you have faith the fact that you and i we uh, you know we are doing so many things that proves that i have faith no your proof of faith is that you don't need anything except god's voice you don't need no blessing you don't need see that's what abraham had the only thing that he had to cling on to is god's voice god said this that's it i have no reason to believe what god has said i have no reason to trust what god has said and still i will hope against hope because god has already promised that that's how many descendants i will have verse 19 and abraham's faith did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age he figured his body was as good as dead and so was sarah's womb he was as good as dead so check this out abraham's ability died abraham's ability to do what god had promised to him died it had to die it had to come to a place where abraham realizes that it's not because of me it's not because of what i have done it's not because of how i have prayed it's not because of how i have worshiped and sometimes when god allows you to fail it is to prove to you that it is not about your ability when sometimes when god doesn't show up or when god doesn't do things in your schedule in your place in your time it's to just prove to you that what i want to give to you is my promise it is not wages it is not salary it is not something you can earn because of your good works so god waited till abraham becomes useless and so does sarah's womb god waited just to prove a point for all of his descendants his spiritual children from the circumcised family and the uncircumcised family all his children needed to understand a point that this is a god who rewards faith not your works not your obedience this is a god who rewards faith this is a god who is moved when he sees faith the bible says abraham came to a point where his body was as good as dead so if you're feeling dead today if you're feeling like there's nothing left in you if you're feeling like i i don't think i have in it it in me to actually do what god has called me to do i'll tell you what you need to do you need to believe you need to trust in him because when i am weak is when he is strong his strength is made perfect in my weakness and i'm going to choose to trust and believe in the fact that when i can't do it when i'm unable to do it when i can't please god when i can't prove to god how good i am i will just trust in his goodness for me and that is what will count me as righteous verse 
Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. This doesn't make sense. He had a Hagar. At another point, he was just at the verge of writing off his property to Eliezer from Damascus. Saying, okay, okay, this is the guy through whom, who will inherit everything that I have accumulated. But God says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. How is that possible? Like when you and I, when we look at Abraham's life, we see all the failures that has, that has happened in his life, right? But the Bible says when God looks at it, when God sees his life, here is Apostle Paul. Please, please understand, if Paul has read his Bible well. It's not like he, he only, you know, picked the good parts and he forgot to read the bad parts of Abraham. No, Paul has read everything. And still Paul says, here is a man, our spiritual father, who never wavered in believing God's promises. So can I, can I say that you and I, who are his spiritual children, that even when we fail to believe, that even when we fail to trust in him, that even when we fail to stay in that place of being in the promises of God, that even when we fail to keep our eyes fixed on God, that God is still on our side, that He's not going to, His promises for our lives will not just change overnight just because we couldn't keep our faith in Him. There are going to be ups and downs, but God, when God sees our faith, when God sees the essence of our faith, when God sees the fact that the reason you trust in Him, it's, it's perfect. See, you are, this is what Abraham did not have. It's the revelation of who Jesus is. This is what Abraham did not have. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of him. Now, there are going to be times when in, in your head, you want to actually renounce Christianity. But there will be a spirit that will speak from the inside. I mean, and he will speak and he will help you in your weaknesses. The Bible says in Romans 8, we'll come to it later. It says, when you don't know what to pray, when you don't know what to say to God, the Spirit of God inside of you, He will pray with groanings and words. He will pray the will of God for your life. So, so here is Abraham who had faith. And the Bible says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. So if you're feeling discouraged because the last time you didn't believe, the last time you failed, the last time you gave up the last time you made the same mistake the lord is saying it's okay come back because i can still help you i can still cover you come back just choose to trust what i have spoken over your life it says in fact his faith grew stronger and stronger and in this he brought glory to god he was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever He promises. Lord, I pray that this morning you would convince your children supernaturally because this word is coming to us. You would convince your children of every impossible situation. Lord, if you can cause us to be saved, the worst, the most impossible thing in our life is our salvation. If we are saved by faith, if we can experience a relationship with God because of this faith, how much more will he not do everything else through that same faith? The most, can you imagine this? It, you're praying for money. You know what is more impossible than money? Is the fact that you would have a spiritual life, that you would, your spirit would be alive. 
the the biggest miracle is the fact that you were dead and now you are alive you belong to the family of adam now you belong to the family of jesus if if god can do that for you is there anything that god cannot do is there anything too impossible for him this morning we got to be fully convinced that god is able to do what he has promised verse 22 and because of abraham's faith god counted him as righteous can you imagine how many times in this entire chapter we are again and again told it's because of his faith because of his faith because of his faith because of his faith because he chose to trust because he chose to believe because he chose not to give up what he was believing even when he didn't have reasons even when he didn't have hope he kept on believing verse 23 and god counted him as righteous it wasn't just for abraham's benefit it was recorded for our benefit too assuring us that god will also count us as righteous if we believe in him the one who raised jesus our lord from the dead so paul is saying now abraham's story is not recorded for his benefit it's recorded for our benefit why to assure you there is a assurance from god that god will also count us in the same category god will count us righteous that our salvation our walk with god our relationship with god will be a result of us believing in him believing in him let not the devil convince you that you will be another backslider let not the devil convince you that you will lose your faith let not the devil convince you that god doesn't love you no this morning because of abraham's life his story is recorded for assuring us for you and for me there is an assurance coming upon our hearts that if we will believe in him if we will believe in jesus who do we have to believe in because see abraham he didn't have the word of god to believe in but he had a spoken voice of god that said leave your father's house and follow me today you and i we have the word of god jesus himself when we believe that word jesus said you want to go to the father come through me i am the way i am the truth and i am the life just come through me i will take you to the father so he says for our benefit it was recorded so that god to assure us that god will count us as righteous if we believe in him the one who raised jesus our lord from the dead ready to read the last verse for the day and i want us to read it multiple times okay verse 25 says jesus was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with god come on one more time jesus was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make me right with god come on one more time no 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 you 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 can't say it like you're not convinced you can't say it like you believe that the bottle is not poisoned you have to say it like yeah i believe it and i'm willing to drink of this good news isn't it good news the bible says jesus did not die for the world jesus died for me 
it's for it's for my sins that Jesus had to die not just for my sins but it is now for my justification it is so i can be counted righteous that jesus was risen back from the grave paul says that jesus he died because of your sins the payment for your sins the wages of your sins the wages of your wrongdoing now it makes sense why paul said abraham did not waver because somebody carried the price of abraham's wavering nature now it makes sense when i stand up here and say ah you have no idea i am a righteous man it's not because i am righteous or i've always been righteous it's because somebody else died for my unrighteousness now today i can be counted righteous not just because he died but because he rose again see jesus dying on the cross is not the good news jesus resurrection is the good news because many people died yeah lot of people died for others sake but nobody could be resurrected to come and take us out of the pit that we are in to come and justify us to make us right with god only jesus did that it says god handed jesus over to die not because of his sins but because of our sins and he was raised to life to do what to make us righteous to make us right with god to justify us to clear our record to call to cause us to be called blessed that blessed is the man whose iniquities the lord has forgotten whose wrongdoings he has taken out of sight blessed is the man blessed is the man you and i we are blessed because of what jesus has done this is the good news but will you choose to believe it will you choose to trust in it will you choose to embrace it or will you just you know say oh wait i will still try for one more week i will still try to you know i am 100 year old but i'll still try to have a baby let me see if it works no with just belief if you can just believe then all your sins all your sicknesses all your iniquities all your failures get covered in that moment of you believing in him because somebody else paid the price of your disbelief somebody else paid the price of your unrighteousness thank you for tuning in for today's sermon we hope this word has been a blessing to you do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information you're welcome to tune in every sunday for our live celebration service at 11 am at youtube.com/pastorpeach God bless you and have a blessed week.